Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Business Vibes. Today we have Tom talking about uh, creating a business and just where the business idea starts from. We hope you enjoy this episode and check in later this week and look for another episode. All right, thanks, everyone. Well, this is our second recording here at Vibe uh, Business Vibe, excuse me, and I'm uh, Thomas Coljam, director of the Veterans Incubator for Better Entrepreneurship, and of course, our famous leader here for the podcast is Chow. So I'm going to give it to Chow. So he's going to. This is his um, his gig, and um, today I guess he wants a he wants me to talk about myself. So what exactly do you want me to talk about, Chow? Yeah, so I just want to get some background on who you are and pretty pretty much what brought you all the way, you know, to what you're doing now, you know, so we'll just do a little background, Okay. you know, we'll start, you know, where are you from and kind of some family history like that and, sure. you know, what got you going? Well, I'm on my third cup of coffee, so I, I, I can ramble. So anyway, well, you know what, that's, um, I guess it's fair because last week we talked about where you were from and, and all that and... It's fair that uh, everybody knows where I'm from. Well, I am an immigrant. I came over here when I was about seven, ten years old from Thailand uh, during the uh, Vietnam era. Uh, my stepfather basically brought my brother and me and my mom over, and uh, we were a military family, you know, Air Force family actually. Um, so we lived all over the place, anywhere from you know, uh, California, Washington, Texas, Oklahoma, and back to uh, Washington again. So, you know, basically I was indoctrinated into the military culture. All my uh, adoptive family side has always been in the military, 20, 30 years, right? And I thought growing up was that this is what you do. You, you join the military, then you 20, 30 years, then you go work for the post office and Another 20, 30 years, you retire, join a country club, and die. <laughs> you know, life is good. But on the other hand, you know, I, I kind of, I did, after I graduated from high school, I enlisted. Um, but I only did a couple years in, on active duty and, and um, got out. And it was under what is called the Palace Chase Program uh, during the Clinton administration when they were doing a reduction in force. So if you serve two years, you can finish your tour up, uh, your enlistment up by doing six years in the reserves. I said, hell, I'll just do that. Then I went back to school and went to Washington State University. And when I was in the uh, in the reserves, I went, uh, went back to college, like what you're doing, child, you know, you did the military, but I was still on in the reserve status and, you know, the once a month, Actually, it's not. It was in the Air Force. It's more than once a month. Don't let them, young recruits out there. Don't let them try to fool you here, because it, we're, we were a little different. Because we had to get proficient on our on our uh, aircrafts and all that kind of stuff. So, while I was in the uh, going to school and doing my reserve time, I did an internship at at a bank, and actually a credit union, and uh, fell in love with how money moved. And one thing led to another. I graduated and started working at the bank, and I was just so enamored with um, business and and all these types of businesses out there, from mom and pop to mid-sized companies to large companies. And uh, what I liked most about it was that I was able to actually meet business owners that you weren't able to meet in you know if you were just a mainstream uh, me. Uh, uh, you know, the people on the streets, you know, just uh, mainstream type of consumers. You, you might, as an example, you know, you might go down to Sports Co and buy your 
you know, camping gear or fishing gear, but you don't know how that business got started. But, I, you know, obviously I, I know the owner of Sportsco and, and his story is pretty cool. So um, when I was, so I spent 25 years in banking. I did uh, commercial lending. I started out as an analyst and just evolved. I mean, I did every, most of everything in banking from, you know, as an analyst to uh, management to lending. And uh, it was a great time then. Obviously, you know, as you get older and you realize, hey, I'm getting burned out on this stuff, um, um, I decided to, you know, call it a quits on January 8th, 2015, at 10.15 a.m. I remember the same exact date. I came home and my wife was home for some reason. I brought my box full of stuff uh, and my wife was home. She looked at me and says, what are you doing home? I thought she was gonna freak out because now I don't have a job. I don't know what I'm gonna do. And she looked at me, I told her what happened. I said, I, I just called it quits. And she came over to me and hugged me and she said, well, you look like a new man. And I was like, wow, that was uh, not what I was expecting. <laughs> but the reason why I, I had a great time, don't get me wrong, uh, in banking, but I, uh, it got to a point in your, your career, you know, you, you know, you spent 20 years in the military. I, I retired out of the reserves in 2009 and, um, in 2015, I called banking quits after 20 something years. So there's two careers, military career, then a banking career. And now on my third career going, what the hell am I going to do? But when you had enough, you had enough. You really realize that, you know, I don't care what happens. I just want to be able to be happy and be with my family and all that. There was other stuff along with it why I, I decided to call it quits in corporate America, you know, stress and, you know, and all that kind of stuff and not being with family. And so I decided to start it, um, my, I think, uh, one, two, three, my fourth business. Uh, so I started a uh, insurance brokerage and business consulting um, firm. And immediately I got a call from the University of Washington Tacoma wanting to know if I would be interested in being the interim director of the Veterans Incubator for Better Entrepreneurship. But I wasn't the first choice. There was a, my lecture partner, uh, his name is Nick Molden. He is the former CEO, uh, excuse me, CFO of Duracell and Gillette. Him and I used to lecture together uh, for the Boost to Business program that was developed by Syracuse University on base. So. I got the call and I came here for about on a six months contract and while I was here I got another contract with the city of Tacoma uh, consulting with them then my six month contract led to a year contract a year contract led to a permanent professional staff position now I'm working on my fifth year here uh, at the University of Washington Tacoma and and really really having a good time while I was here I landed another contract with Los Angeles County so I consult with Los Angeles County so I always tell people if this you know a public school kid can, can you know start his own business everybody else everybody else can start it also so the reason why I'm here is because I really feel that it's not transactional anymore it's more transformational and you know I'm meeting you Chow, you know, transitioning from military to school and trying to figure out how to maneuver through life and what it, what it all means. And I just feel that I have that ability to connect with you guys because it's cultural competency, right? So I've been, been through it. I know I understand what's going on. 
I understand about corporate America. I understand about um, you know just uh, trying to open a business, and also I teach here, so I really bring in real world experience to come into the academic setting. There's nothing wrong with what what you're learning in your classroom. But you know they're they're teaching you how to think critically and judge wisely and to tear things apart and analyze it. But what I do is that uh, I take what you learn and commercialize it and and show you how to execute it. So, you know, this is what I do. I have a family. I have a, a son and a wife. I've been married twenty five years this year, and you know I, I try to keep my life simple. I don't not a lot of drama. You know, yeah. I, I like eating. I like. Like drinking, <laughs> not a lot. Yeah, I used to drink a lot, but not anymore. So, but other than that, that's that's pretty much it for me. But I mean, in a nutshell. So let's back it up a little bit. You said that you had started four businesses. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that. What what brought that along? Sure. Um, you know, in the commercial banking world, you know, you meet a lot of people, and one of my clients uh, was in the healthcare business and. He just loved, him and I really had a great relationship. And and he one day he came out of the blue and says, hey, do you, you know, with the baby boomer generation coming, um, they're aging and there's gonna be a need for dementia care. Do you want to start a dementia care facility? Um, you know, I can take care of the, the logistics behind it, the paperwork with the insurance companies and all that kind of stuff. And I said, well, what the hell, you know? I mean, I know the finance aspects of how to run this thing, and so we did, And but that, that failed immediately. I mean, immediately, within, I would say, eight months, it went downhill. I lost about $15,000, a lot better than $150,000. And the reason why it happened is that, you know, when you go into partnerships, uh, you think you know the person, but you don't. So even though this individual was my client, there were some things that I didn't know about him, you know, um, mostly the character issue. Um, and character is really, really important in any uh, business relationship. You, you, you know, like you've been in the army, you really, you have to t- trust your people. Yeah. You, I mean, well, especially when money's involved. Oh, yeah. You know, when money's involved, it's, you know, you might get, you know, another side of a person. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that the truth, Shell? <laughs> yeah, it was another side of the person. And, and so, you know, red flags started going up, you know, when you're in business. It's just like, you know, we're always taught to always, you know, attend the meetings. You know, he was like late all the time to the meetings. Or after I met with somebody, he shows up like 30 minutes later and had an excuse of why he didn't show up. Then after a while, your gut tells you something. And the gut told me something. And I just, I walked away. And he was mad. And he's probably, you know, uh, then he's, he was really mad. And he started doing things and that wasn't you know to my liking so I haven't talked to him in years so yeah. that was my first business that I um, that went under fast then of course I started I mean I'm real I love real estate I uh, learned that in my corporate career about uh, real estate and basically understanding cash flow so I have a, a small little family business we own uh, rental properties and I manage that I I collect the rents, I change, replace the toilets, I uh, was trying to figure out where the shortage in in, um, in electrical wiring and all yeah. that. So, I mean... So, how long have you been doing that? Oh, my gosh. Since 2000... 
five or or a little earlier. Uh, so about close to almost twenty years. Yeah. yeah. So you've you've consistently had mm-hmm. you know another business that you were doing or some you know a side occupation mm-hmm. outside of your normal. Oh yeah. So I had a regular cash flow gig, you know, I paid the bills, but this, um, you know, the rental business was, um, I just felt strongly about it. I just feel that, um, you know, it's going to be another source of income when I retire. You know, when I was looking at it, I I realized, you know, uh, you know, uh, I realized that, you know, the the cash isn't going to come in immediately. It's going to come at the end. So I I call it juice. You know, you get the juice at the end versus at the beginning. So so that's why I did it. I just love real estate. I just love, uh, you know, building it and and seeing renters come in and and doing background checks and all that kind of stuff. It's just my banking background, so I I was able to do that. So is that local or is that... You know, is that all just all around the South Sound or? Yeah, I try to keep it local. Um, so Lakewood, Tacoma, uh, that's, I don't go any further than that because I'm a true believer that I'm not, a, I don't want to be an absentee owner. I want to basically, I want to touch it, feel it, smell it and. and yeah, you want to be around it. Exactly. You, know, you, you want to be able to, you know, be in proximity, you know, yeah. all the time for it. Exactly. And I, I think if you're um, an active owner, I think uh, you're going to have a very successful um uh, real estate business, uh, if you will, and and just seeing seeing it because a lot of times I, I've seen other um, property owners that they might live out of state or up in Seattle or whatever, but their real their property is just in shambles because they're not here to look at it. Yeah, yeah. So then my other business I started. Um, I was really into CrossFit, so a group of people we decided cross uh, started a CrossFit gym called Tacoma Strength. So we had two locations. We collaborated with uh, CrossFit Tacoma. We had two locations, one on here in Tacoma, one off of Fawcett and one off Center. Then we realized that, boy, it was just a big old clubhouse. We, <laughs> we were just hanging out, working out, you know, and we were breaking even, but uh, realizing that then we got into the business aspects of it, we were realizing that maybe two locations isn't really good even though we're trying to uh, capture the market, um, but there's like, you know, more expenses involved. So we decided to um, merge the two locations into one, which is right down the street, about a few blocks away from our our campus here. It's called the Coma Strength. It's been around for over 15 years. Uh, I don't have any equity ownership of any more. Craig um, O'Connor, O'Hanlon, excuse me, purchased it and he runs it now and uh, it's, one of the best CrossFit gyms in Tacoma. Yeah. So then, like I told you, uh, my last business was my insurance brokerage and consulting business, and um, um, it's going well. You yeah. Know. So you're still doing it, you know, to this day? Yeah, to this day, I, I still have, I don't, I didn't renew my contract with the city of Tacoma. I still have my contract with LA. Um, we still have a great working relationship with them. It's going on four years, five years now. So, yeah. so I, I fly down there once a month. Love flying down to LA, you know, flying to Burbank Airport, then go to Pasadena and hang out, then go to Alhambra, then from Alhambra, well, that's where the headquarters is for LA County, and then I they, then they take me all over the place to look at businesses. So okay, yeah, then I'm on the board of directors uh, at Evergreen Business Capital, and I see a lot of deals with them coming in, um, you know, because we represent uh, four states here. Uh, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, and Alaska. So we're seeing deals 
that um, we as a board approve or not approve for, you know, to stimulate the local economy. So, yeah, so I, I love business. I love talking about business. I love sharing um, my experiences with the students. And uh, and the reason why I'm still consulting with LA and being on the board of directors is because I want to be relevant and still have pulse on the market and, and give that information back to the students here at the yeah. university. So let's talk about, you know, initially going into it, you know, to creating the business, you know, let's, you know, you shared your experience of your first one of how, you know, it started and then, you know, it didn't succeed, but it didn't stop you. You know, you still had that drive that, you know, you wanted, you know, some kind of, you know, either a secondary income or, you know, something that was yours, mm -hmm. you know, that you had more of a hand in, you know, so let's talk about some of the ups and downs, you know, throughout the, the time that you've, you know, gone from the first one you know, to now. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's always scary, you know, and I, I don't, to be honest with you, child, I don't know what drives me. I think being an immigrant, you're always hustling. So you're always trying to make a buck. Uh, so I obviously, as you probably can guess, I, I'm not from, I'm, I don't have a legacy. You know, I don't have a silver spoon. I don't have a trust fund or anything like that. You know, I immigrated over here and we were, we were struggling. You know, yeah. and you know, uh, my dad was a Air Force flyer, so he was never home. My stepdad and my mom didn't didn't know how to read or write because she's you know from Thailand. So we were always hustling, trying to make a buck here or there. Um, but part of it too is is that I think being in that environment and being competitive, I never want ever want to go back to that experience ever again. And maybe yeah. that's why yeah. I you hustle. Know. Yeah, the drive of, you know, mm -hmm. you know where you have been, mm -hmm. you know, and you don't want that for yourself or you don't want it for your family, you know, and so to, to keep them out of that, you know, having that drive, of, you know, we can be better. Mm -hmm. I, I know that we can be better and we can do better. Yep. You know. Yeah, my wife gets uh, pretty upset with me because she says nothing is ever good enough for you. And I'm going... I, I don't I don't know why. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's the same thing when you play golf, you know? I mean, you know, you keep going out there and trying to get better and better. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. Um, so there is, there, there, there were a lot of ups and downs in this thing, you know, when, when you know, the first business failed, you know, $15,000 is a lot of money. Yeah. You know, it's just like, God, I mean, did I just really effed up here and just ruin it for my family? then you have to be positive about this whole thing. You fail, but I guarantee you my failures and in that experience is better than any MBA that anybody can ever give me. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I've learned so much about, you know, uh, being in partnership with people and reading people and understanding, okay, um, what went wrong and work backwards on this thing. and. Um, you know, as, as time goes on, it's like any, like a bad relationship. You know, you remember your first relationship with in high school and you think you love this girl and she breaks up with you and it feels like that every day goes by, it gets better and better. So it's been, you know, almost over, almost 15 years now that this relationship has been severed and I, I feel better. I don't have any remorse on it. I mean, it's gone. $15,000. Yeah. Big deal. It's gone. What am I going to, you know, what are you yeah. going to do with it? So, and you know, it's kind of funny that for some reason that fifteen thousand to fifteen thousand dollars tends to be the same number that any time I open a business is going to cost me. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, think about it. Here I have an insurance brokerage and insurance and consulting business. It cost me fifteen thousand dollars to open it. 
you know, and you're like, everybody's saying, well, how the hell does it cost that much? Well, I've learned a long time ago, don't go cheap on anything. You know, you got to pay the subject matter expert. So I got my accountant and uh, attorney and all that in place. But when I buy equipment, I buy top-notch equipment because uh, I don't want to be in a in the mode and business is clicking and all of a sudden my computer goes out or yeah. my printer goes out. And you're like, well, now i got to spend more time at home at Office Depot trying to fix this thing. <laughs> So. Yeah, I mean, well, that's one of the things too. You know, is a lot of people they they always they're always trying to find a way to, to save the money. You know, when they're starting something up, it's you know, oh, can I can I save this for later and make this purchase? You know, at a later date. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's an extra hundred dollars that's coming out now versus you know if I was to pay mm-hmm. you know, that right. You know. Yeah, yeah. I learned I learned that uh, this term when I when I was in my banking world that my chief credit officer told me, you know, I came and was trying to represent one of my clients and he says, hey, you know, they uh, they wanted to forego this contractor because they believe that they can do the work themselves and save money. And my boss basically stopped me and says, okay, stop. He basically says, they don't have time to save money. And that's what I learned. Because <clears throat> when you start a business, you don't have time to save money. You got to go into it and go full bore and go out and make money because he, he was absolutely right because you know here's this individual who was uh, doing this um, convention uh, and wedding venue up in the mountains and they thought that they can lay uh, 10,000 square feet of um, uh, tile mm-hmm. and we all looked at each other I believe that they could because they were my client my boss says hell no they can't yeah. because they they don't have the expertise and plus, they have to pay us back, the bank back, and they don't have time to save money. So I, I take that, and I try to tell my students and tell myself, "Hey, Tom, you don't have time to save money. Mm-hmm. Let's get it done, fork it over, and let's get it done, and, yeah. and focus on what you're good at." Yeah, it's it's like uh, the planning phase. Mm-hmm. You, that's that's when you you know that's when you're going in, and you're taking your time, mm-hmm. you know, with the planning phase. Yeah. But once you pull the trigger on starting it. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you've got to go into it 100%. Because if you don't go into it 100%, then exactly like what you have, you know, it's going to find, you know, you got to be able to start producing revenue mm-hmm. to be able to start making payments, mm-hmm. you know, to pay the bank back, you know, for, you know, if you're renting a place or your expenses that you're going into it, you can't just ease into it. No. Nope. You know, you, you've got to have, you know, a form of revenue to come mm-hmm. in, you know, to start making those payments, you know, pay those bills. Otherwise, you're, it's going to hurt you, and then you're going to think, "Oh man, I messed up. Mm-hmm. You know, this is I shouldn't have done this. You know, now I'm eating into my income. I, you know, I'm struggling to pay my own bills yep. and these bills." Yeah, then it exacerbates into the family unit too, because you know, um, I always say that entrepreneurship or starting a business is a full contact sport. I mean, the whole family's got to be involved because you know. If I'm not happy, then I can take it home, then it, it, then it affects the family. Uh, however, if they're all in it, they can be a great uh, support group, you know? Um, meaning that, yeah, we got to cut back on some, some stuff. You know, we can't eat steak every night now. Now we got to eat some casseroles. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then, you know, the, the your partner or whatever knows that he or she has to you know um, work a little bit harder bring in you know the, the until 
my business is up and running. Yeah. So, I mean, it is a full contact sport. It's just, just like you cannot go half off in this thing. You got to go 100% on this thing and do it right. Yeah, you know, and it's a big give and take, you know, especially with that. I mean, there's always the saying, oh, you know, you go home and you can turn the switch off, you know, that way you don't take it home with you. But you can't do that. You know, there's there's all the emotional stress that goes along with any job, mm-hmm. you know, that you can't just cut it off and not bring it home. You're, gonna, you're bound to bring it home. And especially when it's something like that to where, you know, money is involved, mm-hmm. to where it could be hurting you, you know, or, you know, taken away from your family because once it starts taking away from your family then there's no way to turn that switch off it's right. there exactly you know? so, so it's like you know if like you know you start your professional career you know you just can't turn it off I mean it's if you are a true professional it's an extension of you you're constantly working it thinking about it and it's not like a nothing against truck drivers or people who are like delivery drivers but sometimes you know I wish I was a truck driver you know, you kind of drop off your load and go home, right? Yeah. In the profession real, uh, world, you know, that that file that you're supposed to be working on isn't done. It's, it's not going away. Yeah. It's going to be there tomorrow. And that's, that sales call that you're supposed to be going on, you know, you're not going to get any money unless you call them and go out on, on the call. So it is an extension of, of, of you. And um, I think I kind of thrive on it, though. I mean, it, it's kind of... Being able to deliver in yeah. those stressful times. Yeah, and it's, it's it's kind of weird. I mean, you know, the question might beg, you know, people are asking probably, are entrepreneurs made or born? I don't know. I mean, like leadership, is it, are you born or made? I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's uh, I think it, it's a combination of both because, you know, it's, um, you know, as an example, you know, I remember being in the basement with my mom. We were doing piecework. She was a seamstress, so we would put buttons together. We would get one cent per button. So we were out there. We were grinding it, you know. We were making, putting buttons together. And that's when she came home from her seamstress job. And I came home from school, from, you know, baseball practice or whatever. And we'd have our dinner. We'd go sit in the basement and make, put buttons together. And that's the same thing, you know. Uh, If you have a side hustle, you might have... A regular gig that provides you know the majority of your cash flow but your five o'clock start uh, clock job starts you know five o'clock six o'clock you're you know you're grinding it again yeah at, until 10 or 11 or 12 o'clock at night especially when I consult with LA you know uh, after dinner I go into my office and boy I'm up sometimes I remember one time I was up till like one trying to get a report out to them and I'm going oh my god am I back at school again yeah. <laughs> But you grind it out, and it's okay because you know it's this is what I do. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I grew up in it a little bit. My uh, my grandfather started a lawn care business uh, in the town that we were born, and I remember when he was starting it up. You know, it was this is back when those uh, the zero turn uh, mowers came out. You know. <laughs> yeah. And so he went out. You know, he bought a truck, trailer, and he went out and bought mowers. You know, and everything was top of the line. And he made thousands of business cards, you know. And we lived in a town of maybe 14,000 people. <laughs> and he made thousands of business cards. And I remember going out with him uh, right after he bought everything and taking these business cards. And, you know, this was the mid-90s. So we're riding in the back of his pickup truck in the bed. And I'm sitting there holding a box of you know, business cards, and we ride down the road, and I'm putting them in everybody's mailbox. And we're stopping at every mailbox, you know, getting them out. 
and then you know you start getting phone calls you start getting people and he was constant and he had a you know a nine to five job he worked for uh, Russell Mills the plant mm -hmm. and he was a plant operator out there and he'd get done and then he'd go out and he'd, he'd go appraise yards and give them quotes and everything and he would do this you know in the middle of the summer you know until it got dark you know going out and meeting with these people you know and he and on the weekends you know that was his weekend so what was his background though child was he did he grow up poor or was he just a he likes to work I mean, he was a hard worker. Mm -hmm. So he was a uh, he was a baseball player in high school. Okay. And he had gotten drafted at high school. He received a letter from the Brewers, trying to get him to go play pro ball for them. Uh, for them. Mm -hmm. And he didn't take it. You know, he got a job, uh, married my grandmother. You know, and then they had you know my dad and his mm -hmm. brother. And so he was just always a hard worker. You know, and then he just saw this opportunity. You know to be able to make you know another income because i mean by the time he did this he was i think i want to say he was in his you know he's in his 50s mm. you know i mean i was probably you know seven or eight when he started it you know so that's mid you know early 90s and you know he just we live there's a lake that's in town you know and there's the main the main people that worked there were there's one big hospital so you had a bunch of doctors and nurses and everybody from the hospital and then Russell Athletic Clothing mm -hmm. is actually based out of my hometown okay you I know, know so you had, that's cool you had people who worked for Russell and their main headquarters it, it all used to be there it's not there anymore mm -hmm. and so you had their main headquarters and then there was a uh, a plant that created dyes for clothing that was there in town as well and so they created the dyes at Avondale and then they sold them to Russell huh. and they created the clothes and then I mean the Russell family they are just you know big they're just a big business they they have everything from land and real estate to all these subdivisions out there and that's what we used to do we drive out in these subdivisions and it's like hey you know these people don't have time to cut their yards let's you know let's make an opportunity here you know let's take this and you know he took it and ran with it and you know at the peak of his business career he had the city contract for all the city parts he would cut which was a it was a three-year contract that you put a bid on every three years you know to renew it and he had that contract for <clears throat> I think three three times you know and he had over a hundred fifty yards you know at the peak he was running two crews you know with five people a crew that were going out and doing this and I mean it was every day and these dudes would go out at light at seven o'clock I remember because my dad worked for him on his <laughs> off days my dad was a firefighter mm -hmm. you know and he worked one day on two days off on his two days off he was out there working for my grandfather helping him out you know and they they seven o'clock you would leave in the morning that's when they would leave right at sun up you know because you know sometimes you were making a you know 40 minute drive out to the other side of the lake to go right. start you know because we always did it you'd start out and your work you'd work your way back into town and so you'd be there at seven o'clock or you'd be there around 6 30. you'd go through all the equipment get everything ready and then you'd head out and start cutting and these dudes would come back you know five six o'clock at night sometimes you know dark they wouldn't even finish that day so the next day they'd leave earlier that way at sunup they were out there on the yard starting to cut at sunup you know oh, wow. and it was just a constant Wow, so you learned a lot from them. That's that's called work ethics right there. And that's that's an education that 
nobody can teach you. So that yeah. it begs the question: Is it is it made or are you born? I think I think part it's part of partial made and born with it yeah. because you know you wouldn't see that hard work uh, with your grandfather unless you've experienced that or saw, or saw your dad you know hold down a job then go down mm-hmm. and work with your grandfather. Yeah, I mean I I I just think that you know hard work doesn't kill you. It just it doesn't. No, it, I mean, you know, <laughs> it, it teaches you something. Mm-hmm. You know, you learn something about yourself. You know, you're able to find, you know, you're out there and you're doing stuff, and especially in the summers in Alabama, you know, and it's 100 degrees in the middle of the summer. Humid. Yeah, in the, in the humidity. <laughs> and then you're out there, you know. I remember countless times, you know, because I started there when I was 15, mm-hmm. you know, so it was that was when I could, you know, start. So I was 15. In the middle of the summer and all my friends are out you know they're doing whatever you know and i'm working you mm-hmm. know and i remember being out there carrying the you know the weed eater or cutting grass you know and i'm <laughs> like man what am i doing like you know I just sweat you know pouring and it's just like you know i really learned something about myself and that's when i learned you know having the hands-on doing jobs like that and really being like you know truly involved like right that, that's when you really gain a lot yeah, and, and part of it too, with that experience, you know, uh, going through that, you know, the hard work environment, it teaches you one thing for me is that, I don't want to do this again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's you know? the big thing, you know, mm-hmm. especially, you know, for me, it was, you know, learning it, you know, when I was 15 mm-hmm. was, I don't want to do this. Right. You know, I understand why these people, you know, are, are paying to have their yards cut, like, because I'm not going to sit out here. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't want you know. I don't want this to be the only job that mm-hmm. I have for the rest of my life. Right. Right. You know. I want something more. Mm-hmm. You know. But it's good to have that because you still have something to go back on. Yeah, and you wouldn't have gotten that drive to to search for something more unless you've experienced that, right? right. So, so I don't know. I think it's a combination of both how entrepreneurs are made. I just think that you know it's the environment and the time and realizing that. You know, uh, you want more for yourself and more for your family. And um, I, I think everybody has it. You yeah. Know, I really do. I, I mean, I agree. You know, I think one of the big things is, you know, a lot of people just not realizing that all of the different types of jobs that are out there, you know, and that was one of the things, you know, no, I don't think that there was a grass cutting business in our town before he started one, hmm. you know, and it was, he just saw an opportunity. You know, but a lot of people don't realize like how many jobs that you can start, you know, that are out there that people aren't doing. Mm-hmm. I got a buddy who he just recently got out of the army and he moved back to Kentucky. He started a pressure washing business. Hmm. His dad runs uh, a uh, fire uh, extinguisher installation business, and he started a pressure washing business on the side. You know, and it's like, how many people would have thought, you know, a pressure washing business would actually make money? Yeah. You know, but you think, especially, you know, up here, you know, getting stuff cleaned off, all the mold, you know, the moss and everything that builds up. You know, there's an example of, you know, just an industry in itself that yep. you can start something. Yeah. It's, you know, you can start a business and then, you know, the, um, the barrier of entry isn't as uh, expensive as you think. Um, you know, um, the barrier of entry isn't that much if you really think about it. As an example, I mean, how much is a pressure washer? Five hundred, six hundred dollars, maybe a thousand dollars. Yeah. So you say a thousand dollars. Yeah. You know, and so 
You, you buy that, and then you buy, you know, a couple hoses that you carry on your mm -hmm. own, you know, because everybody's got a water spigot at mm -hmm. their house. Right. You know, and then you just, the really, the big thing that you're thinking about other than that is fuel. The fuel, the yep. fuel expense, you know, that's going to be a constant expense. Mm -hmm. Every time you run the pressure washer, you're going to, you know, you're going to run the fuel. Right. So, you know, you just figure out how much you're going to use that, you know, and then you just, once you, you got once you figure out a way to start, you know, producing that revenue, you know, however it be, you know, you getting your word out there, mm -hmm. you know, you're instantly starting to pay that back. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know, um, to get your driveway washed and your walkway washed, um, what, $300, $400 maybe or more? Yeah, you know, just depending on the size, you know, yeah. you just... Maybe three or four clients, the pressure washers it's paid. paid. And then after that, you know, it's just the, the little bit of fuel expense, mm -hmm. you know, for the pressure washer and then you drive in place to place. Yeah. Other than that, it's it's constant income. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I just think by starting out in that small um, uh, business, you know, you, you make a little bit of money and who knows where it takes you because you know entrepreneurship is not linear, right? It, it, you're doing the job and you realize, hey, there's a need for this or a need for that, and you try to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. And maybe we can talk about that next next week or this week about, you know, what exactly is, how do you start a business? And, you know, to me, you know, uh, you're solving a problem. Being an entrepreneur, you're constantly solving a problem. You see something and you're going to solve it. Like your grandfather, you know, um, hot in Alabama, nobody wants to cut the yard, and he saw a need for it, and he took the initiative and said, hey, after I clock out of here, I'm going to go and start bidding. And he took his grandson, which is you, and showing you how to do the gig, yeah. right? And and who knows where it's going to lead? I mean, it led to yeah. two crews. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times, too, when you start those businesses, you start seeing another business that right. you can create that's going to, that you're able to, you know, that you could start up. Mm -hmm. You know, you see the need for something else. Yeah. And I think, I think, um, I think more people should look at, through those lens and realize, hey, you're driving around, so just being, uh, just staring out in the, in the, on the road, look around you, see what's around you, what can be solved. I'm always a firm believer is that, is this, is that if you can make money, save money, because you create time, save time, alleviate pain or create gain, because you're solving a problem there. Yeah. And if you can make money and save other people money, why not? I mean, it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah. So. You know, if you're able to save somebody else time for you creating a business for yourself, I mean, you're taking, you know, something away from somebody else, mm -hmm. you know, or, or actually you're giving them more time mm -hmm. and you're, you know, giving yourself more revenue. Right. No, it's all good, man. I, I mean, that's why I'm excited about this. Uh, that's why I love being here at the University of Washington, Tacoma, working with the vets. And uh, it, it's just, um, it's... It's something going on up here all the time. You know, I mean, you've been up here quite a few times, and it's always lively up here at the at this uh, incubator. And uh, I love helping helping out here. And you know, I'm not going to say that you know I'm a PhD in entrepreneurship or anything like that. I I, I just have street cred. That's all I have. So I, I I've done it. I've I've experienced it. And um, you know, I've been blessed to be here. Yeah. And uh, as long as I can be of uh, a resource and still continue to have love and joy in what I do, I will continue to be here. And especially, you know, helping, you know, you, Chow, to figure out, you know, what's your next transition in life. And, and you know, it's okay to be slow. It's no, yeah. Nobody says that you have to move out of here real fast. But I, I'm kind of glad that, 
you know, you're, you're taking on this project to, to do this podcast because I think it's, um, it's going to be helpful for other people, you know. Yeah, uh, when they you know, and that's the goal is, mm-hmm. you know, is ultimately to, to give this, pass out the information that we have to others, mm-hmm. you know, from people like you to other, you know, local business owners in the area, mm-hmm. you know, just to spread the knowledge. Yeah. So what's your intentions now going forward? I'm going to throw this back at you. I mean, I know that you want to do, what, two podcasts a week and... Uh, maybe you can share a little bit before we cut it off uh, as far as, you know, uh, what do you want to do with this, with speakers or you know, guests? Yeah, so we're hoping to do two a week, you know, start pushing out two a week right now. Uh, really big focus is, you know, just giving the people for the business plan competition just more information, you know, just or another way to think about the things that they've already created, you know, before that they're able to enter, you know, and then after that, you know, it's just, it's bringing in, you know, you know, the local business owners, you know, and having their say, you know, hearing their experiences and the things that they learned. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing is, you know, learning from somebody else's mistakes. That way you don't make them alleviating yourself that heartache already, mm-hmm. you know, and that pain that you're going to have from making a big mistake, you know, from it being, you know, a judge of character and finding out who's, you know, who's the right business uh, partner to go in with. To finding out where the best location is. Right, exactly. So, uh, so the business plan competition, the the uh, the submission is going to be open this Friday, Jan- January thirty first, and look out for the flyers. We're going to be posting the flyers on the Vibe uh, web page. Um, Chow's working on, um, you know, um, putting this on the web page so we, you, all of you guys can have access to it. But other than that, uh, we're excited for this project, and hopefully yeah. we can give a lot of information out to you guys. And we're having fun. Uh, as you know, we kind of stumble along a little bit. We, we don't want this to be a, uh, a little uh, script of, oh, we got to follow these. We just want this to be free-flowing and be real authentic as much as we can. So, But other than that, I don't have anything else. Yeah. Thanks, for everybody, for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode. Take care, guys.